You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League landscape. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Ton to get to as usual on NFL University. The Patriots currently hold the top overall seed in the AFC coming off a game on Monday night where they only threw the football three times. The Panthers fired offensive coordinator Joe Brady over the bye, and Kyler Murray returned to action looking strong for the Cardinals. Also, Jared Goff got his first win as a Lion walking off the Minnesota Vikings. So let me welcome in Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. And I think we got to start with this Monday night football game between the Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. The wind was bad. The weather was bad. It was gross. And Bill Belichick went into this football game and just said, I'm not throwing the football. The Patriots threw it once in the first half. They played defense. Their defense is fantastic, brilliant on a weekly basis now. And they just said, we're just going to run the football. And that's what we're going to do against Buffalo. And honestly, it seemed kind of disrespectful. Like it seemed like a kind of disrespectful game plan going against a team that's supposed to be one of the better teams in the AFC this season in the Buffalo Bills. So your guys thoughts. Uh, I know you had a lot of betting action in this football game, so it had to be a thrilling contest on Monday night. I feel like last week, the only thing we talked about was the Bills and Pats and how we've been waiting for this game for months just to bet on the Patriots. Thankfully, they came through. It was ugly. But just when you talk about the disrespect, the Patriots knew that they can run the ball on the Bills. Everybody knows that they can run the ball on the Bills. The Bills are not tough, physical, and they showed that. Players were upset a little bit after the game just by some of the nature of the questions. But the questions were fair based on everything that that happened. The Pats – they had no interest in throwing the ball, man, when, when you can do that. And knowing that um, New England, they weren't going to throw the ball and you still couldn't stop their running game, that had to be painful for the Bills. What we talked about a little bit before the show started, how impressive was Josh Allen throwing the ball through the wind? I feel like that is up there in feats that has happened this year. Yeah, it, the problem wasn't – I don't even think, like, considering the circumstances Josh Allen's play even – it was just like, man, why are you throwing so much? They threw 30 times through that wind, um, only ran 25 times. Six of those were carries by Josh Allen himself. Their their leader in carries in that game was Devin Singletary at 10 carries. You couldn't get a running back going at all. That's one of the big issues that like Kyle and I have been talking about this whole year about this Buffalo team, even when they were the one seed in the AFC where you're like, man, they kind of feel like a soft team. It, I wonder if they can run the ball 
when they need to run the ball in the playoffs. They don't. And a lot of that is like, you know, people think like, oh, the run game doesn't matter at all. No, it does matter. Sometimes you have to put a constraint. There are so many plays in the NFL that are run plays. Like you have to run the ball effectively if you want to, you know, go the go the length of the playoffs. Um, the fact that they really don't have that true tight end. I know Dawson Knox is like a solid player and he's a good role player um, in terms of like that kind of hybrid tight end wide receiver type of guy. I know they play him in the backfield a little bit, but like the fact that they don't have that guy and they're basically in, you know, 10 personnel for the most part, especially when they're in the gun so much that is going to hurt them. And they're still as an inside run team. They are pretty soft. It is what it is. That's what they're built to do right now. Um, it's not going to change this season. They need to take a long look in the mirror at themselves and say, like, is this really how we want to play ball for like the entire, you know, Josh Allen experience? Because if I'm them, I, I look at like what Green Bay does, even with like a Mercedes Lewis in the game. And you're like, dang, we could like do that. And we get Josh Allen moving in the pocket, taking deep shots off a of play action. Like we'll be a better football team if we get an actual tight end on the field. That game was so bad for Bills fans to watch that. One of their fans tweeted, this is the first time that I miss Greg Roman. <laughs> Whoa, yes. let's not go there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's not go there. I did see someone uh, in that video of uh, McDermott, uh, playoff lost Bill Burr, saying, um, you know, hey, don't give Bill Belichick too much credit for this win. Like, this is Wolves. One, first, settle down. You got your butt kicked on national television by a quarterback who had three pass attempts. Like, chill chill out. Um, but there was a reply to that tweet that said, like, this is the first time Bills fans are taking a loss better than a coaching staff. And I was like, oof. <laughs> oof. <laughs> Hard yeah. times in these Buffalo streets. This was a Bill Belichick special. Like, you kind of had that feeling coming into it once you saw what the weather was going to be like in this thing. And Bill Belichick, not a guy that shows a lot of emotion, like ecstatic isn't a a word you would generally use to describe a guy like Bill Belichick. But when he gets a little smirk on his face, that's that's Bill Belichick, like ecstatic. And that's how he was with how that game played out, because that's exactly how he wants to play football. He'd be fine never throwing the ball again. Just run he, he the was, ball and play defense. He was cracking jokes with WEI uh, yesterday talking about, yeah, we saved all the passing plays for our next matchup. He he came out in uh, the Navy mask before the game. I, I don't know if you guys listened to the Manning cast, but Peyton was saying like, yeah, we try to talk to Mac Jones. They wouldn't let him talk to us. That's the first quarterback that we haven't been able to talk to all season. And then, you know, two quarters in, you're like, oh, because Mac Jones isn't going to do it. And like, I, does Mac Jones even know the game plan? I don't know. It, it is hilarious that Peyton, like, who can probably call up any team in the NFL and say, hey, I want to talk to Trevor Lawrence or whatever. And the Patriots, probably get locker room access. Yeah. And the Patriots are just, no, we're good. We, we don't need him <laughs> talking to you this week. But uh, get, focusing back on the Bills, their running game ha- is a problem. And it's kind of been a flaw in this offense for the last couple of years. You know, last season they had no interest in running the football and they threw it as much as any team in the NFL. And then this season they simply haven't been able to run it. And there was some optimism that Zach Moss was going to be that guy, but he's a player that's been a healthy and active multiple times this season now. And Matt Breed has kind of taken over that role as the number two back. And then it's Devin Singletary. And so in a game like this, They simply couldn't run the ball. And while it was impressive watching Josh Allen 
still kind of zip footballs all over the field with that kind of win, it's a problem. Like you, you got to be able to run the football a little bit. We've seen it with the chiefs this year where they couldn't throw the football down the field the way that they wanted to. And they've started utilizing the running game more and it, it's helped them overall. And the bills simply don't have it. Like they just don't have dudes right now who, who can run the football. And, and it's a major flaw for their offense. Um, I, I do also that, that post game press conference. I want to mention that. Like I understand why everybody is mad at that reporter and he could have absolutely phrased that question better, but anybody who's covered an NFL team for any period of time knows that after a loss like that, especially where it wasn't complicated, the Patriots were just running the football and punching you in the mouth, the entire football game. That's like an almost more devastating loss than getting blown out by 30 points. And players do not like talking to the media after games like that. So I understand why the players were frustrated, but there's always that old reporter who does the back in my day players would have answered that type of thing. So it's dumb on both parts, but I I understand why the players were upset with that. I, I just had to get that out there because I know it's been a big deal this week. But looking looking at these teams, like obviously they're both good teams in the AFC and the Patriots sitting atop the AFC right now. I don't think we all expected this when the season started, but they're playing as good as any team in the NFL at the moment. I, I do want to talk about Panthers or former Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady, who got fired over the bye. You know, the Panthers aren't going anywhere this season. I don't know where they're going in the near future with their current quarterback situation. But Joe Brady is a guy that we were talking about being a hot head coaching candidate. And he interviewed for jobs last season. Then coming into this year, I think there was an expectation amongst a lot of people around the NFL that Joe Brady would be another head coaching candidate. It just hasn't worked out for the Carolina Panthers. And I don't feel like they've got much direction moving forward and Firing Joe Brady might have been a move for ownership that said, you know, this season was supposed to be better than last year, and it's not. And so Joe Brady kind of fell on the sword, but it's not going to solve any of their issues because they still got Cam Newton and Sam Darnold, and they don't have any answers for that here in the near future. Yeah, in 2020, Joe Brady, in his first year, 2,000-yard receivers with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. So, like, when you just say that sentence out loud, you're like, oh, man, this dude has a future. This year, it's been all bad. They don't have an offensive line. They don't have a quarterback. Still have the guys on the outside. But essentially, this year, their offense has just been, we're going to run everybody down the field. We are going to have Christian McCaffrey underneath, and he's going to run either left or right, and we are going to throw him the ball. And obviously, McCaffrey has been banged up all year. Um, there, since week six, and this is just how I've been filtering data, it gives us two months of um, just data, just numbers. Uh, the Panthers are... 28th in offensive success rate and 31st in EPA per play. They can get nothing done. And when you watch them, it looks like that. It just looks like a giant struggle. But I don't think this is Brady's fault. This is probably an organizational failure. You guys talked about it a little bit before we started where they want results. They want something to go right away. And that's true. That is an issue when you look how their team has been built. Um, Somebody had to be a scapegoat. Unfortunately, it was Joe Brady. I think he's going to be fine. He's probably going to land on his feet somewhere. He's going to get another opportunity with somebody smart uh do you guys think he goes the college route i think he's gonna have to right. i don't think anyone in the nfl is gonna hire i mean so much is based off of like what job you get is so much based off of like who your friends are and 
Carmichael is just never leaving that OC job, at, you know, with the Saints. That's really the only NFL experience Joe Brady has had um, outside of, you know, Carolina. So, like, unless Detroit opens up, right, with, like, uh, Dan Campbell, who, you know, was with the Saints, has strong ties with Sean Payton. You know, they're all um, former Bill Parcells guys. Like, unless Anthony Lynn gets canned as OC or something like that, I can't imagine Joe Brady gets another shot in the NFL unless he wants to take a positional job, which isn't really what, you know, he's been doing. Like, if, if you hear – if you listen to what people talk about with him is, like, some of the success from LSU probably uh, went to his head um, in terms of like how he treats people, which like kind of rubs people wrong a little bit. Um, but he is a good offensive coordinator. I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of they just needed a scapegoat, man. Like Matt rules made decisions on three different quarterbacks. All three of them have cost the team a substantial amount of money or draft picks or both. And a um, season essentially, like effectively he's costing yes. them years. Yeah. And like, if you're Tepper, you're wondering like, okay, dude, like what is wrong with this offense? Cause you keep telling me these quarterbacks are the guys and then they're not the guys. So what's the issue? So it seemed like they had to send, you know, Joe Brady off. Um, the thing that's probably notable, he is from South Florida. Um, and you know, Miami now wants to compete in terms of college football. So I would assume that he's probably going to get multiple calls from the university of Miami to be the offensive coordinator there. It's worth noting. Remember, Joe Brady didn't call plays for that LSU team. He basically <laughs> drew the plays up. And then the other uh, offensive coordinator, um, er Ermsmeyer, I think is how you I, – mm -hmm. I can't remember how you say his name, um, was the guy who was actually calling plays. But he did call the plays in Carolina. Um, I think Joe Brady, for the – he'll be back. He'll be back. You'll, you'll hear about Joe Brady again. I think this was just a situation where it's like, dude – we got to sell out our friends so we keep our jobs, man. Like, the, the heat on the seat is turned up. Brandon Staley should give him a call. Yes. I am in favor of that. Yes. That would be great, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I still think that Joe Brady is a talented offensive coordinator, and he's, he's going to find a job somewhere. I don't know if it's going to be in the NFL or college, but I do think that there's some coaches around the league who are smart enough to, like, know, like, this guy's got some talent as a play caller and he deserves an opportunity. And yes, I would love to see, see him do that with the chargers. That'd be absolutely fantastic. As a Chiefs uh, fan, are you sure? Yeah, because I like seeing scoring and, and, right. <laughs> and I, I want to see Justin Herbert live up to his full potential. And I'm not totally sure with the offensive system that they have right now that he's going to do that, at least not this season. So ditch, ditch one saints guy for the other. Yes. Let, let's do it. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have put up 30 or more points in three straight games, but this happened after we recorded last week. So we did not get to talk about it on this show. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Antonio Brown was confirmed to have given the team, at least initially a, a fake vaccination card. So they were expecting to have Antonio Brown sometime soon in the near future, but he's been suspended for a couple of games here because of the fake vaccine card that he gave to the team, as well as a couple other guys on the team. And all of this started because AB just wouldn't pay his bill to his personal <laughs> chef, which is kind of crazy. It's going to wind up costing him a lot more money because he made a poor decision and not just paying his bills. But it does seem like things are kind of falling in place for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now, where, they're getting healthy. We talked about it last week. Rob Gronkowski looks like old Gronk, like total dominant, best tight end in football. 
Tom Brady's in the MVP conversation yet again. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, total stars, and their defense is still trying to get healthy. But as they do, like, it's getting harder and harder for me not to just assume that the Bucs are the best team in the NFC. So when we were just talking about the Bills and there's a discourse saying that, you know, running the ball doesn't matter. And that's been going around the Internet for a couple of years now. There's no way that you can watch this Tampa Bay offense and think that running the ball does not matter. They impose their will. They're very physical. Yes, they have really good players on the outside. Yes, they have one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But I feel like a lot of their success comes based off them just running the ball. So since week six, again, uh, second in the NFL in rushing EPA per play, they are first in rushing success rate, which means if it's second and four and they need to pick up a certain amount of yards, they are going to get it. So 52% success rate on the ground. They are fantastic, man. And when you can run the ball and you know that they can't stop you, and you have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin, uh, A.B., whenever he figures his life out, he's going to come back. And then uh, playoff Lenny, uh, they're going to be tough to stop. They're going to be tough to slow down. And then, of course, Gronk, man, I don't know what there is to say about him that hasn't already been said. I don't know what he took this offseason, but whatever he took, he should keep that up because he looks like the real deal again. Um, yeah, we, we talked about it before the show started. It'll be tough to see, again, we're projecting here, but once we get to the playoffs – Who's going to beat Tampa Bay? Like, who's better than them? Who's built to beat Tampa Bay, I guess, is the better way to put it, knowing that they have all these pieces on offense, and you can't run the ball on them on defense either. Good luck, man. They ran back a Super Bowl championship team, dude, and then got draft picks. <laughs> that That's what happened. Um, I went over on the APC feed, uh, Acme Packing Company feed. Uh, I had a podcast with Charles McDonald from For the Win where we walk through like every game in the NFC trying to see like, all right, who's going to win this? The consensus that we came up with was basically Tampa's the best team. Green Bay's the second team. And as long as Tampa can stay healthy enough in the secondary and at the skill positions, they're probably going to win. Man. Like they're just loaded across the board. They're loaded. I know that secondary is a little banged up right now and it doesn't look as good as last season, but when push comes to shove, like Todd Poles is going to send the freaking blitz yeah. and like you're going to need to complete some passes. And there's only the only team that I think can like really catch them sleeping when it's like uh, Tom Brady in a championship situation is going to be Green Bay. And even then, I'd still like to see like is Bakhtiari coming back? Is Jair Alexander coming back? Is Zadarius Smith coming back? What do they look like when they come back? And how healthy is the Bucks secondary? Like all of those factors have to break right for the Packers for me to feel good that they are going to beat Tampa, even if the game is in Lambeau, you know? So yeah, Tampa is that team, man. And I am scared to death that this great Packers season is going to end, you know, <laughs> at the feet of Tom Brady. Nothing matters right now because it's all going to come down. Because Tom, Tom Brady, because to Tom yes. Brady and his on his fifth face is inevitable. Exists. Man. It is a little frustrating. And now they're talking about moving Richard Sherman to safety. They're so bored. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> just it's just Bruce Arians and that coaching staff just saying, let's just get to the playoffs. Let's just make it through the regular season. We know we can sleepwalk through this thing and we're good enough to get to where we want to go again. And and we we've talked about it. Their defense, it's injured. But when it's healthy, it's good enough to go back to a Super Bowl. And we know that offense is elite and they can score on anybody. And yeah, 
dual threat Leonard Fournette is fun to watch. He is a legitimate receiving back now for like the first time in his NFL career. And this Bucks team is starting to get really scary, and it sucks for the rest of the NFL. The Detroit Lions walk-off win, first win for Dan Campbell, first win for Jared Goff as a Detroit Lion, and he threw the game-winning touchdown pass against the Minnesota Vikings because they absolutely refuse to win normal football games this season. Always has to come down to the last play of the game for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm not shocked by this, and I think I've talked about it on this podcast before, where like the Lions were the the only like winless team in NFL history. I feel like where I was like, when I look at the standings, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. They haven't won a game this season because it seems like they were close in a lot of weeks. Like they had these competitive games where you were like, man, Dan Campbell could coach. Like this is actually kind of fun. This isn't an awful team to watch all of the time. And the Minnesota Vikings were just a perfect matchup because you knew the Vikings were going to go out of their way to keep them in this football game because that's what they do <laughs> each and every week. And they did it. And they they actually got the win on the walk-off touchdown. So congratulations, Dan Campbell. I don't think the Lions will probably win another football game for the rest of the year, but I'm happy that you guys got one. You guys deserved one. Good for Jared Goff. I, I'm happy for the Detroit Lions. Nothing like going from talking about the Super Bowl champion and maybe <laughs> two-time Super Bowl champion Bucks to Jared Goff getting off the snide. What were the Vikings doing on that last play, man? What is going on? How do you get down so early is the real question. So that last drive shouldn't even matter. But um, I still think we should put the Vikings on national television every week because they are very entertaining. I imagine the Vikings fans hate watching. <laughs> like, what? How do you wake up every Sunday? You know what's going to happen. You know they're going to break your heart. Um, one of my best friends, this has nothing to do with anything. He was in a year long contest. You can win a lot of money. He made it this far. He picked the Vikings on Sunday. He is now eliminated. <laughs> I would hate football after that, man. Um, congrats to the to the Lions. Uh, I think it is great that they got off this night. I think you had a good point where you're talking about the standings. They are competitive every week, or they at least give teams their best shot. And they're eight they and four against hard. the spread. They're eight and oh, four against the spread. Oh, there you go, Danny C. Man, kneecaps and all. Um, yeah, that that is. I you wouldn't think that they were zero and ten just based on what you saw or based on what you said, but they don't have much talent. I, I hope that I, mean, I don't know their salary cap situation. It's going to be probably tough to get guys to come to the Lions, but um, props to Dan Campbell. I guess is the best way to put it to for getting off this night. Yeah, and I think in terms of the NFC race, that actually is a pretty huge result, you know, in, in the grand scheme of, like, how the playoffs are going to play out. Uh, yes. Um, like, the Vikings were, I thought, you know, the best spot to kind of win that seventh seed. So the way that, like, the NFC race was leading into the week was basically, you know, the last two seeds are going to come down to the San Francisco 49ers, who lost, um, Washington, who won. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, who obviously lost, and then the Philadelphia Eagles, who were able to win with with uh, Gardner Minshew. I still think, despite the loss, the Niners are in a very good spot to get that six seed. Um, I thought, I still think Washington isn't a serious football team, so I'm still not really feeling them for that seven seed race. This result, plus Gardner Minshew being able to win that game for the Philadelphia mm, Eagles, don't do flip, it. Flips. Who's going to be able to like? Who's the favorite to win that seven seed spot? I thought it was Minnesota. 
now I'm in a position right now where at this point, it feels like it's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles who are going to be able to sneak into the end of the playoffs. So this really might be the game that ends up, you know, knocking, being the difference maker at least between being able to knock Minnesota out of the playoff hunt. That would be incredible if the reason the Vikings don't end up making the playoffs is because they lost to the winless Lions. And that's a very real plausible scenario. Yeah. Um, Philadelphia is not a serious team. I know you just talked about them. Gardner Minshew. Was oh, it's just scheduled. They get what they get. Uh, Washington twice. They get the Giants twice. I thought they had yeah. Dallas. Uh crap. Maybe I had them mixed up with Washington then. But I know Philadelphia. The way that their schedule works out, it's basically like they should go like uh, nine and eight. And who, Minnesota had the tiebreaker in that. Who scenario. do you trust more, uh, Philly or uh, Washington? Philly, not close. Not close. just. Um, so I don't know. How much are you impact? I, I disagree with him. I, and Steve, I love your face right now because I think you do too. And we can talk about it. Um, Washington's defense is, um, I, I guess, a I mess. just trust their pass a rush mess. more. They get Montez Sweat back. And yes, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. Um, I just think that they have better players and I would trust them to come out on top or I guess to keep things close as opposed to uh, Jalen Hurts is going to start and he's probably going to make a mistake. And that is going to be the difference. So I, I don't agree. I but uh, mess around and trust J- Jack Del Rio down the stretch. I dare. Nope, you. We hey, have, we have years of evidence. We <laughs> have years of evidence of this. Um, did you did you see their schedule by chance? Let me pull it up. Uh, Steve, I, break the tiebreaker here. Uh, well, no justice I, is wrong. I do think that getting Montez Sweat back is, is going to be big for Washington, and he was actually tested positive for COVID. He was supposed to come back, and now he's going to be out for another week or two, probably. Oh, but I don't know, man. There's something about Washington. <laughs> like, you I guys feel, are psychos. You are sick. I feel people. like I trust you, you Ron Rivera more than I trust Nick Sirianni at, at this point, just based on because I feel like Washington has no business being in the situation that they're in right now, anyway. True. But Antonio Gibson's a stud, and the way they've really been utilizing him has really helped them offensively. And Taylor Heineke is making enough plays. Like, I don't trust the Eagles in general, and they've got this. Now they want to run the football a ton. They've got this whole running back by committee, but like all of those running backs are hurt. And so that's going to affect things. I don't trust that they can throw the football it, it consistently in any way. And I think it just comes down to Nick Sirianni and Ron Rivera. And I guess I trust Ron Rivera more than I trust Nick Sirianni. It is really where I, where I wind up landing. You guys are issue. I don't disagree with that. <laughs> the real issue here is that we could be looking at two NFC East teams getting into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that's very gross. Washington's remaining schedule. Dallas loss at Philadelphia. I'm willing to call that a loss. At Dallas again, loss. So three straight losses. Philadelphia. I still think Philadelphia is a better team. So I, I'd call that a loss too. And then the Giants, they might win that one. So I knew, I knew one of those teams had Dallas twice. I thought it was Philly and not Washington. No, Philly, Philly has a bye week coming up. Then Washington, the Giants at Washington, and then Dallas at the end of the year. Who knows if Dallas is even going to – I mean, week 18, right? It's going to be a weird one. Um, who knows if, if Dallas is even competing in that situation. But, yeah, I, I think Philadelphia is the team that has the inside leg for that seven seed. I, I'd put Washington behind Minnesota even, frankly. So we, we might as well, since we're already talking about the Eagles, we might as well talk about Gardner Minshew before we get to a quick break. Uh, 
He looks pretty good. Uh, you know, there might be this quarterback controversy. I don't think there is. Jalen Hurts should obviously be the starter, in my opinion. Uh, but that's what we do as football fans is we like to stir things up when there's a quarterback controversy. And I think that Jalen Hurts is clearly the guy moving forward as they head into their bye. Also, this game was against the New York Jets, which there's a case that the Jets are the worst team in football. So I don't think you can get that excited about this Gardner Minshew performance. But did you guys check out Gardner Minshew? Did he do anything that impressed you that would make you think that the Eagles offense might be better with him moving forward over Jalen Hurts? Absolutely not, because I think the Eagles revolve their offense around Jalen Hurts to run the ball. And thinking that Minshew will go anywhere near completing that many passes in a row again is just like playing with fire. You might as well just light your money on fire. Um, I don't think so. And something about the Eagles, I don't know what it is, but I just can't trust them. I mean, there are several reasons why, but and it's only just because we're comparing them to Washington that it's easy to, to talk about, you know, them in a good light, in a positive light. Uh, I don't know if I trust any NFC East team, and I'm certainly not going to trust Gardner freaking Minshew, that's for sure. The, the funny thing about Philadelphia is they lost – or, yeah, Philadelphia is they lost all those games in primetime. Dallas, Tampa, the Raiders, Chargers, like all those games were being played – um, you know, later in the day. So people have, you know, eyes on them. So they were able to see kind of all their losses, but sneakily, right. Those morning games, Philadelphia is just kind of stacking wins. I, I agree with KP, like the guard, the quarterback controversy. No, no. Like Jalen hurts is their offensive identity right now. Um, Minshew, I think is putting up enough film that like, he's going to keep bouncing around the league. Like he's pretty clearly should keep getting work as an NFL quarterback. I don't know if he's going to get it as a starter. Like, Will a team like maybe Pittsburgh kind of think about bringing him in, you know, with an uncertain quarterback class coming up like that very well might happen. I know I looked at ESPN's rankings. They had two guys um, going like ranked in the first round and no one was ranked like in the top 10, I think, um, for quarterbacks. <laughs> like it's not going to be a good year. You're going to hear a lot of hype about Kenny Pickett, who has like eight and a half inch. Hand. He's basically like got golf hands on Joe Burrow is basically kind of the write-up on him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this quarterback class isn't going to be great upcoming. I think Minshew's going to keep finding work. Um, he might be in a spot to kind of compete for a quarterback job or a starting quarterback job, at least a camp battle um, in 2022. But this year, no, this is, this is Jalen Hurts' team. I, I feel pretty confident in saying that right now. Yeah, I agree with both of you, but I feel like you gotta you gotta talk about potential quarterback controversy uh, whenever it pops. I've up. I've seen it on the timeline. I've seen yeah. people say like Gardner Minshew is gonna save Philadelphia sports. What are we like, doing? Oh, settle, <laughs> settle down. Settle what down. Is, what is that line? Wild card weekend. Gardner Minshew at Tom Brady minus <laughs> Bucks nine and a half at least. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's higher than nine and a half. It has to be higher than nine and a half. Uh, I, I mean, don't know. I, I saw in college football the biggest spread uh, this for the bowl season is fourteen Cincinnati uh, against Alabama <laughs> on a neutral field. Great, we got we got it. The small guys in. It's gonna uh, get clobbered. This is yay. what you guys wanted. Fun. Well, just in terms of television ratings, the NFL would be better off if it is Washington because at least Washington's beaten Tampa Bay and they gave Tom Brady a run for his money last year in the playoffs. So they'll do the whole Taylor Heineke, Tom Brady. No one believed in us. Look, they're the same guy. Oh, wait, no, one of them's Tom Brady. 
don't know, man. Taylor Heineke shows up against Tom. That's that, that's just his Super Bowl. Every time he sees Tom Brady, he, he tends to show up in that football game. But let's take a quick timeout. And when we get back, we got to talk about two and on and the Dolphins five game win streak. Uh, Kyler Murray returned for the Cardinals and we'll get into an MVP conversation. That's coming up next on NFL University. I have some exciting news for you, class. Your time starts now. NFL. Crash course? This doesn't happen very often. You're going to enjoy this one. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. The Miami Dolphins rattled off five in a row. Uh, Tua keeps playing well or doing enough for them to win. Their defense has really turned things around since the start of the season. And now there's quarterback conspiracy theories all across the land over whether or not Tua is actually a good NFL quarterback. I understand the Dolphins have won five games in a row, but in my opinion, it is absolutely impossible to take them seriously in any way. I, I don't think that they're a playoff team. I don't think they're going to win win out or anything like that. So it, have the Dolphins done anything in recent weeks and Tua especially to make you guys think that I'm wrong about how I feel on the Miami Dolphins? Props to Miami for winning games. That is not easy to do in the NFL. However, <laughs> look at the teams they are playing. Look at the teams who are, who are they, they are beating. Look at the manner of which it is happening. And you can see that Tua, although he is, you know, taking care of the ball, doing all the quote unquote right things. If they were to play like who, like who's a good, like, I don't even, I can't even name a good team in the AFC. So he's lucky. But if they were to play, like, let's say the Pats, for example, what would happen if Tua has to throw the ball beyond five yards? I, I would not trust that. So um, I think it's great that they are winning. I think it's great that they found a way, found, you know, their identity, quote unquote, because it is tough. They do not have a running back to run the ball. And I know Devontae Parker has been out a little bit, but um, I think they just found a way to move the ball with Jalen Waddle, their guy. Uh, so that helps. I think that's really the topic here. But uh, two and ons, you guys uh, keep keep those tweets coming because you, you did win for another week. But uh, it's kind of come crashing down very soon here. Did we just like forget that this team was flirting with Deshaun Watson at the deadline? Like they very much did not want Tua to kind of be the guy. And even that Baltimore game. So like, let's go over their, their five game win streak. Houston at home. Okay. Where they sure. scored 17 points, by the way. Yes. Baltimore on a short week at home when Jacoby Brissett was the starter and they were like, yeah, Tua's not healthy enough to start. And then Jacoby got hurt and they did that weird thing where like two is not healthy enough to start, but he's healthy enough to come into the game. And it's like, what Baltimore doesn't have anyone who could cover two is throwing like 30 yard RPOs because Baltimore is running like weird (laughs) fire zones that they can't, they can't like actually cover. So they win that one. Then it's at the New York jets. Okay. At home against Carolina. Five five for 20 cam. (laughs) Yeah. At home against the New York giants. Okay. And they have a bye week coming up, so they're not falling down to earth. Um, yet, and then they're going to get the Jets at home. All right, they'll probably they they have a good chance of winning six in a row, frankly. But like Tua, okay, he's a very accurate quarterback. I understand he's a very accurate quarterback. He's very good at throwing RPOs on time, having correct placement on the ball. That's what he did at Alabama. I understand that's kind of like his thing. Every time he has to throw outside of the numbers, 
that ball takes a long time to get there. And that includes like on short passes, like even quick game. Like if he's not throwing slants that are breaking to him, that ball is taking a long time to travel. You know who else was a very accurate quarterback who didn't have very much arm strength? Kellen Moore. At 30 years old, he was an NFL <laughs> offensive coordinator. Like we don't have to lie to ourselves about this Tua thing. I, I was listening to uh, what was it, the Levitard show because they're down in Miami. They were talking about yeah, it took you know Drew Brees a couple years too. It was like whoa, oh my god, we're talking about different quarterbacks here. Like oh, settle no. down, settle down. This was again, this is the same Tua that led the team to flirt with Deshaun Watson as a trade candidate at the trade deadline with, what was it, 21 open cases? Um, and also had Jacoby Brissett starting against the Baltimore Ravens even when Tua was dressed down for the game. So, like, I get the offensive line sucks. I understand. They made very bad draft picks. I get that Tua is very accurate. I understand. I promise you. I'm watching these games. I just still don't think he's that guy. You don't have to have – you don't have to take, like, seven steps to throw the ball down the field. That's not how offense works. You can do one, two, three, step and throw because that's what. Watch Tom freaking Brady. Watch the Bucks and what they do. He uh, he gets it out quick, man. So last game, uh, looking at his throw chart on next gen stats, Tua threw the ball outside of the numbers beyond ten yards four times last game. Yeah. Um, good luck. Like that's not sustainable offense. And I know you. Hey, congrats, Dolphins fans. You guys are beating up on great teams in the NFL. Um, eventually it's going to happen, but I know I, I don't have any problem with fans, you know, enjoying their success. And, you know, it's, it's probably tough to hear people talk down on your team when you are winning because you haven't had that success and you're wondering, Hey, why not show us some love? But we're just trying to, trying to let you off and trying to let you know what is about to come. Your front office tried to trade for another quarterback point blank period. Like do not lose sight of that. Keep grounded. Yeah, enjoy the wins, and yeah, again, they've got the Jets after the bye, so there's, in all likelihood, I would imagine this is going to be a six-game win streak, then they've got the Saints, too, everything the Saints are dealing with, and there's possible this could be a seven-game thing before it actually ends, but no one's afraid of the Dolphins, no one's afraid of Tua, so... Let's slow down on that a little bit. But uh, another team that maybe we should be a little bit more afraid of is Kyler Murray did return for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, They still have the best record in football and they kind of eased Kyler back into it or it seemed that way. They only passed the ball 15 times, but Kyler was strong and efficient in the passing game. He did run a bunch, which seemed like a questionable call coming back from an injury that's held him out multiple weeks. But Arizona's a good football team, and we already talked about how highly we think of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and believe that they are probably the best team in the NFC when they are fully healthy. But should we be giving more love to the Arizona Cardinals and, and talking about them like they're they should be in that upper echelon with the Packers and the Tampa Bay Bucks? So I think if you were to rank the NFC teams, you're going to go and just in tears, ignoring the record, you're probably going to go Tampa Bay. You're probably going to go Green Bay. And I feel like Arizona has to be next. And it's fair to say that. So when we talk about giving love to Arizona, we need to look on the other side of the football because Vance Joseph has done a phenomenal job and he's probably going to be another coach very soon. So when you watch them, they find ways often to get turnovers. So since week six, 
They are second in EPA per play only to the Patriots. They are not giving up anything. They're fourth in success rate. So not only are they not allowing the big play, you're not moving the ball on them on a down-to-down basis. I think they're fast in the front seven. Of course, Chandler Jones makes it easy. So they're good up front. Um, For them to be as successful as they are on defense without having legit playmakers on the outside and at cornerback, I mean, that is very impressive, I think. So it just it comes back to Vance just being creative. He uses his speed. Uh, they get after you and they force turnovers. As far as Kyler goes, you know, when he was, you were talking about him running the ball, he's just a really good athlete, a really fun player to watch. I'm not sure how much of those are designed, so I'm watching him, and he's just outrunning guys. He's making a play. He's just a playmaker, and I think that is what their offense really comes down to. He knows where to go with the football. That helps. Uh, he gives his guys on the outside a chance to make the plays down the field. Um, he's fun. You have an MVP level quarterback and you have a really good defense. They're going to be a tough out. I still, still, still like Cliff Kingsbury is evolving. And I want to say that he's good. Um, Something is up. I don't know what it is. And that's probably a me thing. Something is holding me back from crowning the Cardinals. And I don't know what that has to happen because they did go on the road. I know it's the Bears, but they, they forced a lot of turnovers against the Bears and a lot of that is due to, you know, their defense making plays. And I think what I saw in offense was essentially Kyler throws it up to DeAndre Hopkins. Kyler runs around and makes plays, and that's their offense. So maybe that's why I'm still a little reluctant to give them credit. But they're winning, man, and they're winning in tough scenarios. They're winning on the road and they're winning in, you know, tough environments, playoff-like environments, because that's what the weather's going to be like if they do have to travel. So kudos to the Cardinals, man. They're good, and they keep proving it. So Cliff didn't take that Oklahoma job, huh? <laughs> funny how that works so he didn't get an extension either it's kind of interesting right true like when when the op when the the cardinals organization basically said like ah calling your bluff bet bet you won't bet you won't take the oklahoma job um the other thing too on, on that note um burkhart represents both he and kyler murray there's there's no chance that that he was going to break up apart that tandem um this upcoming game against the los angeles rams is going to be really interesting because i thought stafford looked healthy against jacksonville and i know people are going to say oh jacksonville jaguars they can't play you know yada 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 i understand i understand that completely um level of talent uh or competition is completely different than like looking healthy on a football field stafford looked healthy um if stafford is healthy I think they have a, you know, a fighting chance against this Arizona team. And to your point where you were saying, you know, number one in the NFC, it's Tampa. Number two is Green Bay. Number three is Arizona. I still kind of have that question of if it's Arizona or Los Angeles, if the Rams are, or if Stafford is healthy, this is going to answer a lot of questions, I think. Remember that Rams game, that first time around, I understand Arizona won. Stafford missed a bunch of open throws, like frankly, like wide open throws um, that if, they connect, you know, like they usually do. I think the Rams probably leave that game with a win. So this is like my game of the week, the Rams uh, Cardinals game. I, I really am going to be like invested in seeing like what happens in this game and projecting that moving forward. Cause outside of that, I mean, the Cardinals have a pretty easy slate moving forward. Like the lions, they're going to win that Seahawks week 18. They're definitely going to win that. That locker room is going to be completely like, it's just going to be fumes at that point. I think, um, Arizona, or, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, I think they can beat them. I don't think that that run game is going to kind of run them off of the field in the same way that they run other teams off of the field just because of that team speed uh, defensively. And then the Dallas Cowboys, which like I think they can go toe-to-toe with them. So this Rams game I think is like the last big 
check for Arizona before the playoffs. I'm glad you mentioned their team speed because I actually think that will be the difference in the Rams game and why I'm leaning towards like, hey, like do the if the Cardinals will win, it's because they give the Rams problem on offense. Their secondary, like Buda Baker is a star. He's very, very good. They have a young safety in Jalen Thompson. They have a rookie cornerback in Marco Wilson. Like all these guys are fast. They can run. And Byron Murphy, who went to high school in my backyard, he's actually making plays on the ball now. So they're not giving up much, even with a young secondary. So um, yeah, it it will be a really fun matchup to see how the Rams choose to attack them, but I don't I don't know, man. I think it it'll just be it. It'll be a nice little chess ma- chess match to see how everything unfolds. The big thing is their linebacker unit. I mean, Zayvon Collins is kind of moving up and down their rotation like week to week. Like it seems like they don't know what they're necessarily comfortable with him doing um, as a rookie. So I think that's probably the way to attack him. Um, but second level. I guess, yeah, I, I, but I guess we'll have to see because, like, when you're playing against Kyler, right, like, you don't necessarily get a dictate game flow. Like, you might right. have to just, frankly, like, hey, it's shootout time. Like, it, this is, is a the shootout. Game flow. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, shouts to Cliff Kingsbury, uh, potential coach of the year for, for this season. He, what a genius. I mean, th- to be fair, they did win games with Colt McCoy under center, which, like, that's actually – Convincingly. Yeah. Well, and so I, I do think that this matchup uh, against the Rams this weekend is going to sway people one way or the other on deciding which of these teams is actually the best team in the NFC West. But I, I want to have a quick MVP conversation with you guys, because this does feel like a, a stranger year than anyone I can remember in, in a while in, in terms of that MVP conversation, because I do feel like we kind of forgot about the Arizona Cardinals a little bit in the fact that Kyler Murray missed multiple games. And we forgot that he was just playing like a flat out MVP before he got injured. Like, and it seemed like, you know, there was multiple guys in the conversation early in the year, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, even for a little bit and Matthew Stafford. And this thing has kind of fallen apart a little bit, but now in steps, Kyler Murray, who's got an opportunity to try to run the table, get the top seed in the NFC and prove that he is that MVP caliber player. But then there's Tom Brady who, who's waiting in the wings, Aaron Rodgers, who's waiting in the wings. And then I think there's a legitimate case for Jonathan Taylor to be the MVP front runner right now, because you know Brady is in his forties and I feel like voters just don't want to vote for Brady anymore because they're tired of him just being there. Rodgers won it last year, which means that a lot of people might be swayed away from voting for him this year. And Kyler's the the new young quarterback that you want to be good because you want to root for those younger guys and, and see them succeed. And then Jonathan Taylor's just a special, special player, but he's a running back, a position that we've totally devalued. So, like, I honestly have no idea who I think should be the MVP at this point in the NFL season. Tom Brady. Um, it's going to be Tom Brady. They are, I don't know if they will finish with the number one seed. If the Cardinals do slip up, it will be Tom Brady. So if he is the number one seed right now, he has 34 touchdowns, which I don't think people are understanding how, like how well he's playing statistically. So 34 and 10, I know he's thrown an interception, like what, like four or five games in a row or whatever. Um, 34 and 10, they've not only won three games in a row, but they're scoring at a high clip. So they've scored over 30 points in a row. That's probably going to continue because now they're humming. Now they understand who they are as an offense and they have an identity. So to think he's going to fall short of like 45 touchdowns or whatever over the next five games, 
Um, they're going to keep winning. If they earn that number one seed, I have a hard time believing it won't be Tom Brady. And based on the quarterback that the that justice covers, um, I don't think that it's going to go to him based on what he said in the media and um, just how he's handled everything this year. Uh, I know that you you brought up Taylor. It, it's always tough to give it to a running back, but which is why again I, I just lean towards Tom Brady for all the reasons that I mentioned. So I'll, I'll go with Brady. I'm looking on DraftKings right now. Tom Brady is the leader, plus 175. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, and Patrick Mahomes are between plus 600 and plus 1400. Oh wow, Josh, Josh Allen, like, what the hell are we even doing here, man? Like that, <laughs> get him off the list. I, I, I think there is a legitimate uh, race here. Um, I think Tom Brady is in the lead right now. I think Aaron Rodgers. It would be very hard. Uh, for him to get those votes when he lied to the media about his vaccination <laughs> status and basically put uh, people at risk like in their own workplace. And those people are now voting on this award. Um, Kyler, I understand he missed a couple games. Aaron Rodgers missed a game too. So like if he's in the race, like Kyler probably is in the race too. And I, I think Kyler Murray plus 750 for MVP is your cheaper way to bet on the Arizona Cardinals winning the one seed. Right. Mm. Like if if the Cardinals win the one seed, there's a high correlation that Kyler Murray is the MVP of the league. Um, so I think that's kind of like a discount way to to get into that race. Dak, I think, is totally in it right now. I mean, he's playing out of his mind. You know, that obviously comes down to how this end of the season plays out. And then Patrick Mahomes, if they can keep ripping off wins and they they have a legitimate shot to be the AFC one seed, I think Mahomes does have a chance, but he'd have to play out of his mind. So I think like really this is down to Brady has the inside lane. Rogers, Murray, Prescott are in the race. If it's close, there's a lot of things working against Rogers. <laughs> like it, it Rogers isn't getting those votes if it's close. So this is going to be a, fun race a touchdown one. in the last two games. And I think that like those type, the yep. way that the chiefs have won recently will probably come back to bite Mahomes, even though like we know he's playing well, but statistically that's what you're going to be looking at at the end of the year. He'd have to play out of his mind. The other thing yeah, that's yeah. working for Brady is the whole Brady propaganda machine right Jeez, now, right? Like cool. ESPN Plus is putting out like every every week there's an episode about how he won a Super Bowl. And it's like, yeah. oh, cool. All right. When you, well, when you log on to ESPN, like there are graphics in the middle of whatever article you're watching saying, hey, uh, watch this episode. Do this, do that. Yeah, he's everywhere, man. Yeah, he's so like, I'm not, let's be clear. I'm not saying they're the, the agenda wants tom brady to win mvp i'm just saying there's a lot of things that are happening alongside <laughs> alongside <laughs> tom brady this year that's going to make him very visible like we're going to get these clips of how he's won all these super bowls everyone's calling him the goat he has more rings than anyone all those things are true tampa is going to look good down the stretch and people are going to say hey maybe brady should deserve another one because people don't want to give back-to-back mvps they usually want to give it to a younger guy which is why i think murray and dak you know still have a shot but I think Brady does still have that inside lane. I think yeah. if we, I don't know what the answer to the question is, but I think if, if he is the oldest player to win an MVP, like if that starts to creep up, then the, that'll be in the voters' minds and like they will want to vote for him. Like, yo, that'd be a cool story. Yeah. Doug, I, saw, I he... saw a thing where like Tom Brady has more passing touchdowns in his 40s than like Bart Starr had. And he like, he's approaching, <laughs> he's approaching like Roger Staubach and that's not in their forties. That's in their career, career. but yeah. like, goodness gracious, this guy won't quit. Yeah. 
he is getting like the retirement treatment from ESPN while he's just still throwing touchdowns on Sunday. (laughs) It it just doesn't make any sense. I I agree with you guys. It it probably is Tom Brady just because he's Tom Brady and that's not diminishing what he's doing this season. He's been ridiculous this season at his age. And for a guy like Jonathan Taylor, to do like, you know, when Adrian Peterson won it, like Adrian Peterson had Christian Ponder as his quarterback and like put that team on his back and got them into the playoffs at the end of the year. Like it would take Jonathan Taylor just going on a run for these Colts last four games. And they've got the Patriots, Cardinals, Raiders, Jags. So like, I don't think they're going to beat the Patriots or the Cardinals, but it would take like an insane effort from Jonathan Taylor and going absolutely nuts over the last four games for him to even be in consideration. So I, I do agree with you guys that it's probably Tom Brady, which eh, is kind of unfortunate. But <laughs> before we get out of here, I, I do want to talk about the Chiefs who you just mentioned. It's kind of weird right now in Kansas City where – This Chiefs team, and I feel like we've talked a ton about the NFC in this episode, and part of that is because the AFC is just hard to make sense of and who you truly believe is the best team, whether it's the Patriots, the Chiefs, and you know the Ravens are kind of falling apart, the Titans are kind of falling apart, and we just saw what the Patriots did to the Bills on Monday Night Football. The Chiefs have made an insane, impressive term, whatever you want to call it, defensively over the last half of the season. And a lot of that is Steve Spagnuolo finally admitting, all right, I can't put Dan Sorensen in for 95% of the snaps anymore. I can't put Ben Neiman in for 75% of the snaps anymore. I got to get Willie Gay Jr. on the field. I got to get Nick Bolton on the field. I got to put Juan Thornhill on the field. And that's really unlocked the Chiefs defense. Now they brought in Melvin Ingram, who has been a massive, massive addition because Chris Jones is back inside almost full time now, looking like the game record that he's always been. And all of a sudden, like the Chiefs have won five in a row, but they've done it defensively for the most part. And their special teams have been playing really well. Like the Chiefs are winning right now, and people are starting to make that kind of same turn that they're making with the Bucks, where it's like, and the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC again, but their offense is the worst part of their team right now. They're, the Patrick Mahomes led offense is performing worse than their defense or their special teams. And so I'm, I'm curious to get your guys' opinion about that because the defense, like I'm kind of at this point where like I'm sold on it. I, I think they're playing a little bit above their heads. Like I don't think they're as good as they've been and the competition has helped them out a little bit but they're good. Like they're a good defense that can give you some problems, especially with that pass rush playing the way that it is right now. So you mentioned the changes that they made. I think Spags just unlocked the athleticism on that defense. And it sounds so easy. Just play your fast players. Like if, if they're close and I don't know if you really want to call the guys that you mentioned who they subbed out close, but uh, when it's close like that, personnel wise, play the guy that can run. And that's really what's happened. So since week six, the Chiefs and all this defense has to be is competent for this team to be good. Since week six, they are seventh in defensive EPA per play and 13th in success rate. So they are above average, which if the Chiefs defense is above average, something is probably going really well. Uh, you mentioned the players that they made. Uh, Legereus Sneed, who's a 
a really good guy that I like coming out of the draft. I thought he's been playing well, so they actually have a cornerback who they can rely on on the other side of the field or just, I guess, on the field in general, which is something that we haven't been able to say in a couple of years. And they're just not making the same type of mistakes like without uh, Sorensen, it seemed like he had like a coverage bust every game. That's no longer happening, and they can run a little bit at linebacker now. They're yeah, they're just better. They have the better players on the field, and now they're playing better. It seems very very simple. Uh, I don't know how much of the Chiefs' offense you've watched, Justice, but uh, why why do you think that they're struggling? They don't have a second receiver, but their second best receiver is By- Byron Pringle, probably. Um, if you're talking about like consistency, um, I think that's the big question mark offensively. That and then. The fact that it's still every game, man. The opening script, they look great, and then it just like takes a turn for the worst. Um, defensively, I think you guys nailed it. They're playing the right players. We we didn't really talk about Frank Clark getting a little healthier too. Um, that's another thing that I think is really important. He's on a nice so like, stretch. Yeah, so like getting Frank and Melvin Ingram, uh, you know, you got you got two edge rushers, and now Chris Jones can play inside. That front looks very different um, than it did early on in the season. I remember um, that Packers game when Aaron Rodgers was out. And this was November. This was early November, right? Aaron Jones was saying, you know, the Chiefs have a pretty tough defense. And people were like, Aaron Jones is lying to the media more than than Aaron Rodgers is. And now they look pretty solid. I mean, their front is totally different. They're playing the right players, you know, in the secondary and the second level of the defense. Um, It's looking good down the stretch. My, My big question is just like, if they can clamp up Tyreek and Travis Kelsey in the playoffs, and there's a couple of teams that you know might have a shot to do it, what is this team going to have to rely on, right? Against like a Baltimore, you're not going to have those issues because they can't cover anyone. But if you go against like New England, that could be a real tricky matchup um, for for Kansas City. So look at their five game winning streak. Let's throw out the Gus Bradley game because nobody plays Patrick Mahomes like that. And look at every other team. So they scored 22 points against the Broncos against Fangio. They scored 19 against Dallas, 13 against Green Bay and 20 against the Giants. This is no longer that high flying explosive offense because a lot of what you mentioned, they're throwing the ball to guys who probably shouldn't be on the field. So that does make a difference. And I mean, when you when you don't have those explosive plays, when you have to grind it out and go 10, 11, 12 plays on a drive, it's tough to score in this in this game against any defense just because the amount of mistakes that you are bound to make on offense. So, uh, yeah, we're just seeing how important it is, you know, to just have those explosive plays, essentially. It'll be interesting to see that Chargers game, right? Because the Chargers can't stop the run for crap. How, how will they adjust? Because we know Staley will throw – everything out there like spags throws a ton out in terms of fronts but coverage wise like that's kind of staley's thing i know like when green bay played um travis kelsey basically was open on like two crossers um that devondra campbell turned loose and then tyreek didn't really make a play until that last first down um so you can kind of bottle up this team a little bit i know people are listening to this and they're like how many excuses are you going to make for Patrick Mahomes? I mean, <laughs> he has Tyreek Hill. He has Travis Kelsey. But, like, having a warm body as that second wide receiver, like, it, it would help, man. It would help. Yeah. Coming into the season, it was supposed to be McCall Hardman. He played, like, 17% of the snaps last week. And he also got benched as their punt returner. Right. Their full-time punt returner is Mike Hughes now. That's so. Right. It, it did not work out with McCall Hardman. Byron Pringle is their their second wide receiver, which isn't great. That's not the position that you want to be in. And Tyree Kill this season has basically become a possession wide receiver in a lot of ways, where he's getting a lot of targets and a lot of volume. They're just not 
50 yards downfield like we're used to seeing because they, they just can't get that stuff going. And I think this is what the Chiefs offense is. Now. I think so too. Like you, they got to be keep, an on rhythm team. It yeah, is what like, it is, man. We, we keep sitting around saying like the switch is going to flip and Patrick Mahomes is going to go nuts. And the one outlier at this point is that Raiders game. Like that's the outlier. That's not the norm anymore. And I think that's been part of the struggle with Mahomes this season is like, okay, we need you to be efficient now. We don't need you to score 70, 70 yards on each play. Like We need you to be an efficient, just game-managing quarterback who doesn't turn the football over. And it's crazy that that's where we are, but it's kind of a problem of the Chiefs' own making by not addressing that wide receiver position. So I think people just have to accept that this is kind of who they are now. Could they still put up 40 any given week? Like, you think so? depending on how teams are choosing to play them. But this isn't the same like dominant offense that you assume is going to put up 35 points a game anymore. Chiefs unders, baby. Ride that out. Um, I think you had a good point just as Tyreek and how he's being used. So when you don't have anybody else to respect, if you're going to send him on a poster somewhere down the line, they'll just send two defenders with him and say, hey, throw the ball to somebody else. Because even if he's open, he's probably not going to freaking catch it anyway. And that's been the case with the Chiefs this past, uh, this past couple of weeks. It, it looks like Andy doesn't know what to do. And, and when I say that, I mean, he doesn't know who he can trust. I guess is the better way to put it, because he's drawing up plays for certain guys and they're just not producing. And he can't just turn around and hand the ball off because his first round running back is not going to make anybody miss or create on his own. So yeah, it's tough, man. And it sounds like you're making excuses for Patrick Mahomes, but again, this is just what is happening. Like it's not an excuse at all. They just, I don't know. They just don't know what to do. They don't, they don't have answers to, uh, to the problems that they're being presented. Andy did say earlier in the season when the chiefs were turning the football over at a historic rate that he was just like, I don't know. I don't really know how you fix it. Like, I've just never really seen anything like this before. (laughs) And so, like, that's not what you want to hear from Andy Reid. You're like, but Andy, you're the guy with the answers. What what do you mean you don't know what's going on? And it seems like they're still trying to figure that out. So I think at least this season with the current makeup of this offense, this is kind of who they are. And we we just got to accept that. They're they're a defensive team now who still has Patrick Mahomes, but... Tyron Matthew isn't throwing up his hands, you know, at his secondary anymore, which is always nice to see. Yes. So this this is the Kansas City Chiefs. But thank you guys so much for listening to NFL University. We do have to ask before we get out of here that you please subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on the SB Nation NFL show. Specifically this show, we're in the five-star business. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can follow KP at KP underscore show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We'll talk to you guys next week.